We are continuing today in the second week of our series called Samaritan, where we're looking at the power of parables and the ways in which they can transform us, how God uses parables to not only teach us one thing, but help us to see a truth from many different perspectives. I will try my best not to wave my hand around too much as a distraction. I was trying to fillet a fish last night and got a little extra. So thankfully I have a nurse who glued it back together that lives in my household. So thank you, darling. But as we journey through this text of the Good Samaritan, this will be one of three installations where we look at the same passage from different perspectives. So I hope you'll be with us for all three of them. If not, you can join us by worshiping online. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, we're glad to be with you. Or you can catch the podcast following each worship service that's uploaded on Sunday nights. But this morning, I would like to preach from the subject, the parable of the Levite. The parable of the Levite. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May there be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Am I the only one here who wanted to be a hero when you grew up? When you were a child, or if there are any children among us today, you ever play make-believe that you were Flash Gordon, or pretend that you were Wonder Woman, or Batman? Because as a kid, I think we often would find ourselves playing make-believe, pretending that we were some sort of hero, My favorite character was a bit obscure. I used to like to pretend I was Gambit. He was a character from the X-Men who wielded a staff and threw playing cards that were lit on fire. Nobody really knows who Gambit was, but I did. A lot of our childhoods are spent dreaming of being heroes, right? I think that same inclination carries with us, although our ideas of heroes might change what a hero is and who they might be might transform as we get older. They might still be people or characters we want to emulate, but they change from being make-believe to being flesh and blood. Perhaps one day you've dreamed of being a great sports figure or a hero like a famous politician. Maybe you wanted to be like so many of the heroes of the civil rights movement or like a great humanitarian. I think inside of us, we all have this peace that longs to live a heroic life, a life that will be remembered and celebrated for our great deeds. And this is not a new human instinct. It wasn't when comic books were invented that we decided being heroes would be cool. Cultures for millennia have had their heroes and the people that they revered. For many in the ancient Israelites, The holy men and women were the heroes they all talked about. The great ancestors of their faith, the Abrahams, the Elijahs, the Ruths, the Esthers. I bet many young men went into the religious orders having their sights set on being holy, but also living a bit heroic. Because for the ancient Israelites, it was the holy people who were the people that others aspired to be like. They were their society's heroes. 
In ancient Israel, the religious leaders were primarily made up of priests and Levites. And a Levite was set apart to assist the priests. The Levite's entire job was to keep the temple pure and holy. And by doing so, he had to maintain his own holiness and purity. People paid a tithe to support the Levites. They gave their offerings to pay for his needs and to cover how he would spend his time. So on this day in question, on this particular day that Jesus is describing, we hear about a Levite walking down the road. And on the other side of the road, he sees his fellow countrymen in desperate need after having been beaten by robbers. And for some reason, this Levite, this holy person, decides to pass by on the other side. Perhaps the Levite is scared of touching this man, or should this man get his blood on him or pass away in his keeping, the Levite would become ritually unclean. He would no longer be pure. He would have to spend days delaying his religious work. Maybe deep down the Levite would love to drop everything and to help this man by the side of the road, but the Levite, he had responsibilities. He had other obligations. There were a lot of people that counted on him and a lot of people who paid for his time, and he couldn't dictate how to spend his own time because others told him what to do, and so he just felt like it would be neglectful to his other obligations to stop and help this man. Maybe he felt like he would let his bosses down or the congregation down if he was not where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. Maybe he felt guilty for not stopping. Maybe he didn't. But whatever he felt, all the same, he decided to pass by on the other side. Last week, we heard Jesus explain in the Gospel of Matthew that he chose to teach in parables because they're a form of teaching that depends on the heart of the listener rather than the clarity of the teacher. Rather than just give us a new law, Jesus came to fulfill the law and to give us new hearts. He came to help us see the kingdom of God, and when we see it, we don't simply see it in hiding in a little part of the corner over there off to the side. When we see the kingdom of God, it changes how we see everything. It is the lens through which we see the rest of the world. Jesus used parables to show us the kingdom because a parable does not contain only one lesson, like Aesop's fables. No, a parable can contain the same single truth from a countless variety of perspectives. It's like a diamond or a gemstone. You can turn it and look through it, and everything looks different based on the way you shift it. The light refracts in different ways. What's on the other side looks like it might be somewhere else. The parables, we turn them, we imagine ourselves in different parts of the parable, and we see something together completely different. For the next few weeks, we'll be turning over this parable that we just read. Many of you have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan, but today I want you to consider what it would be like to see this parable as the Levite did, to see him as the hero of this story. Now, I don't know if the Levite believed he was a hero or not. We don't really know what was going on in the Levite's mind because he's a fictional character. 
Jesus made them up for the purposes of this parable. He did not tell us why the Levite chose to walk on the other side of the road. Maybe he was a bad man. Maybe he simply didn't care whether the traveler lived or died. We don't know. The great American novelist John Barth once wrote that everyone is necessarily the hero of his own life story. Now, we might be tragic heroes. We might be flawed heroes. We might even be anti-heroes, like the popular genre of TV shows nowadays. Maybe you're a comic hero. Just because you're the central character in your story doesn't mean you always get it right. It just means you usually have the best intentions behind even your worst mistakes. It's like the old saying in AA goes, it's your best thinking that got you here. And the most likely scenario is that Levite really was trying to do good. He's probably trying his hardest to do his best, what he thought was right. In Jesus's day, most people would have said the Levites were heroic figures. The priests and the Levites, these were, these were the spiritual leaders of the community. They were the political elites of their day. There's no separation between church and state. The law was the church and the church was the law. And these Levites and these priests, they were the heroes. They were the people everybody else wanted to be like. They were the ones who had faithfulness and holiness figured out. Maybe not all of them, maybe not all the time, but on average, that's who they were. That's who they tried to be. They were set apart and they tried to make the world a better place. And maybe that makes it easier for you today to imagine yourself as a Levite. Maybe you too have had a day where you put a check mark by every item on your to-do list. Maybe everything you did was for a good cause and it was all with good intentions. Maybe you tried to do your best to be who you think you're supposed to be, but in doing so, you passed by something that was on the other side. Maybe you didn't do something you knew you should have done, but were able to rationalize it because you had other things you had to do. So maybe in that, you can see yourself as the Levite. See, it's important for us to all figure out where we see ourselves in the parable because where we see ourselves will change where and how we see Jesus. To be sure, Jesus himself does not change, but we will see him very differently depending on where we are standing, how we imagine ourselves in the story. And if we see ourselves in the Levite, we discover that the holiness we all long for it might look a bit different than we've imagined. In this parable, the Levite, we see he, he's at that moment that we think we all want to be at. We all want to be the person who's considered to have it all together, to have it all figured out. This Levite is the pinnacle of holiness. We want to be in a place where we figured out how to be holy, how to prioritize, how to get ourselves where we want to go. And when we do that is when we are most likely to see Jesus as an interruption or as a distraction or maybe even as a threat. When we are hurrying down the high road, he's the one lingering on the edge of the path. 
He's the crucified Lord, the man of sorrows, the one who will say, I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was a prisoner and you did not visit me. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. For when you failed to do this to the least of these in my name, you failed to do it to me. And in that way, Jesus shows us he is more than just the destination of our best efforts. He is more than just the culmination of all of our planning. Jesus is also the interruptions along the way. Sometimes we might think that all of our plan and all of our goals and all of our efforts are all the best things possible to get us to the place where we think we need to be. Then out of nowhere, Jesus shows up asking us something completely unexpected at a place in time where we couldn't have imagined seeing them. When we hear the story of the Levite who wants to be a hero and who others hail as a hero and he passes by the man in need on the other side of the road, even in this momentary failure, we see a resounding example of the good news of the gospel. And I hope you hear me say this loud and clear. The good news is not that you can do it all. The good news is that you don't have to be the hero of the story. You see, in the New Testament age, everyone knew about heroes. There were these Roman myths that had made their way into Israel after the occupation by the Roman government. They knew of the Iliad and the Odyssey of Hercules and all those other Greek gods and mythologies that went along with these stories. And not all of these heroes were exactly role models. They all had their flaws. But the thing that made them a hero was that they were in control. In the Greek definition, a hero is the person who makes things happen and takes charge of their life. And for what it's worth, the word hero never appears in the New Testament. Instead, the New Testament tells the stories of the saints, the hagios, the holy ones. The Reverend Sam Wells once described the difference between a Greek hero and a Christian saint in this way. A hero will do everything it takes to win. A saint will lose everything because God has already won. A hero believes that the good things in life are hard to come by and fights for them tooth and nail. The saint knows that grace abounds and life is eternal and so we need not fear failing or falling short. There is so much life in Christ. There is so much life in Christ that we should not have to feel like we need to justify our own existence. We shouldn't feel like we have to prove our worth and to show how good we are by our best efforts. We do not need to prove that our lives are so grand and heroic or to show off our strength of faith. We don't have to Instagram our holiness or make sure everyone knows how Christ-centered our lives and decisions are. The gospel today says that the lawyer who came to Jesus, he wanted to justify himself. And certainly in the minds of everybody who is listening to this story, a Levite is a person who had justified himself. 
a person who'd given everything to serve in this royal capacity. Surely the Levite was good enough. But then Jesus showed how all the effort that the Levite had put into being good enough caused him to miss what was most important. Sometimes when we put all of our efforts into trying to be good enough, that we miss what is most important. The most important question for you and for me today is not whether or not you are good enough. The question is, do you believe that God is good enough? Is God good enough to keep the world from falling apart when your best laid plans are interrupted? Is God good enough for you to trust him when it comes to you and him and God placing himself in your hands? God wanting to use you to show the kingdom. The best thing you can offer is nothing to compare with what God has already given. God doesn't need more heroes. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero of the story. And God doesn't want your best efforts. God just wants you. God wants you. All of you. Your flaws and your faults, your mistakes and misgivings. You don't have to try to pretend to be good enough for God because God wants you. I wonder if you think you are the hero of your own story. I wonder if you are following the path and you've chosen to make great time and and maybe you've made mistakes early along the way, but they were justified by your desired destination. No one's going to distract you from getting to your goal. But I wonder if in doing so, how many times you've walked right past God because he looked like an interruption or because it was inconvenient. Maybe you serve or pray or give or worship because you're trying to, to get back some control over a life that feels like it's spinning out of it. Maybe it feels like trying to obey God is the only thing that you're great at. So maybe your faith is your last best chance to be a hero. I wonder what it would mean for you to discover that Jesus wants you more than he wants your best efforts. I mean, to be honest, if you're trying to be the hero of the story, it won't make much difference if you succeed or if you fail. We don't know where the Levite ended up. We don't know if by skipping over the man on the side of the road, he felt more holy or was better off for having done so because Jesus doesn't tell us where he was going because it doesn't matter. The Levite's destination doesn't matter compared with God's invitation that he decided to pass right by. If we can be interrupted by the heart of God, if we can trust in God's goodness rather than trying to prove our own, then we will be set free from our constant need to justify ourselves, from feeling like we're not good enough, or that we have to work harder to earn God's love. You do not have to earn God's love. God's grace is free to each and every one of us. No matter whether you think you're good enough or not, 
God is good enough. God's invitation to us, it might very well come as an interruption. It might not feel like it's part of the plan. It might not be part of the the dreams that you have set aside for yourself. But when God is there, we don't want to pass by on the other side. When we take time to see that God is the hero, that Christ is the hero, we see that God can do more for us than we could ever do for ourselves. More than our plans, more than our scheming, more than our best efforts, God can do so much more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So even as we're working towards our understanding of what it means to be holy, still trying to give our best selves to God, may we never be afraid to embrace the interruption Be afraid to stop and see that God is there, even in the ways we might not have planned it. Because it is God who knows our every need before we even know that need has arisen. So may we be a people who embrace interruptions. Let us be people not so consumed by our best efforts that we failed to give ourselves to God. And let me remind you, and if you take nothing else, remember this today. It doesn't matter whether you think you are good enough. God is good enough. And there is nothing that could keep the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ and the mercy of the Holy Spirit from you. God is for you even when our best efforts fail. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.